Welcome Mandalorian Fakers to the Mando Roundup, brought to you by FakingStarWars.net. It's time to kick back at the saloon with a dust stick or two and enjoy this week's recap of the Mandalorian. Ah, bounty hunting is the life, wouldn't you agree? Alright, welcome to the saloon. This is our third episode of the Mando Roundup. I'm your host, Storm Duper, and with me is my vivacious gangstress co-host, Gemma the Hutt. How are you, Gemma? Oh, you flatter me. Yes, I try, you know. You, uh, you're not afraid to mix blasters with beauty, so I admire <laughs> that about you. Um, this podcast is brought to you by FakingStarWars.net. Um, we do have another podcast called Faking Star Wars Radio, which you can listen to as well. We're finishing up an exclusive eight-part review of all Skywalker Saga films leading up to the Rise of Skywalker. Uh, we go back in time and watch each episode for the first time it's been wonderful fun and we're getting close to the end so check that out as well if you haven't have you joined our patreon we're uh, available at patreon.com slash faking star wars you can join us at the jedi tier and support the podcast around the holiday season we'd also love to hear a review on one of your podcast platforms of choice uh we love to read out horrible negative reviews so if you hate the sound of my voice and it's like the sound of a uh, lightsaber scraping across a chalkboard uh <laughs> please tell me and i'll review it i'll, I'll review your review also, don't be afraid to follow me on Twitter. I'm at Storm Duper, or you can follow FSW Radio on Twitter, or follow Faking Star Wars, and we would love to engage with you, um, except with diamond rings. So, all right. Well, uh, Gemma, you know, we like to start off the episode basically talking about our predictions from last week. Um, you know, I predicted that we would meet Snoke and he would be revealed as the kind of henchman behind this whole Yoda kidnapping caper. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you had a little bit more of an accurate prediction. Well, my prediction was pretty vague. I think that you can't go wrong when you make a vague prediction, but um, you do get an F minus for the Snoke thing. Yeah, so I was completely factually wrong, and you were more vague. So I think we'll have to give it to you. Uh, uh, it's a tie. No, I mean, I had nothing right at all. And you, I mean, we did go to New Worlds. Um, we did you know, go to New Worlds. And we did meet new characters, and the story did sort of in some ways expand, at least the backstory. Um, so congratulations. Chapter four, then, of the Mando, Gemma. Uh, our fans and fakers are waiting to hear your synopsis of the episode. So here's my brief synopsis. The baby Yoda and the Mandalorian are flying around all hilariously cute in their spaceship looking for a place to kick back and relax and enjoy the local color. So they find a planet and they land and they are immediately confronted with a UFC star. <laughs> and she beats the crap out of the Mandalorian. Um, well, no, it was really a tie. Um, and so he's about to leave. He's like, never mind. Um, I don't need the competition. And um, just as he's about to leave, then two of these townspeople on this planet come and they're like, please help us. And what we learn about the Mandalorian is that he actually has a personality. Uh, he is concerned about people. So he's going to go help them protect their village from these shrimp raiders. The Shrimp Raiders, yes. <laughs> the Shrimp Raiders. So they've got a Shrimp Raider problem, and he, he goes and he helps them, and, you know, uh, it's successful. And um, so he's, like, kicking back, eating in his closet with his helmet off, and everything's going really smoothly. And then a bounty hunter comes and tries to kill the baby Yoda, and so he's like, never mind, let's get out of here. 
Good. Great synopsis. Um, I would just like to add, you know, those raiders. Uh, at first, when I was watching it, I thought um, originally that they were the Siasins or Siasins from the original Ewok TV movies. I have movies. no idea what that is. I think the Siasins, something like that. No, no. They looked like little green piggies. Yeah. Well, they were actually, like the little the little pigs and angry birds. They're called a clip. Cladoinians or Clatoonians, oh, something dear. like this. That They're sounds... originally featured in Return of the Jedi uh, in the Sarlacc scene um, as being kind of servants of Jabba the Hutt. So mm-hmm. we see that they are kind of a renegade species that goes around the galaxy, making everyone's lives miserable on are many they different sentient? planets. Uh, yes, I think so. Definitely. Do they have souls? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I mean, they definitely don't have any Force users yet so um, that we've seen, but that could be a major spoiler for Episode Five. Um, but they, yeah, they were they were buggers, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, what? How irritating to be on that planet and just. I mean, they're right there trying to make their, you know, pad thai uh, Vietnamese uh, shrimp stir fry. Oh, disagree. And they come in and they are, you know, attacking them. It's very cruel. Disagree. So. I know where you're going with this. You think it was like a little kind of copy of Vietnam with the the shrimp patties. <laughs> there are no pine trees in Vietnam. Okay, so it wasn't like a complete cut and paste from Vietnam? I don't Vietnam. think it was a cut and paste at all. Like, that's why it was so interesting. It looked original. Yeah, I, I like the blue shrimp. They were quite aesthetically pleasing. Probably tasty. As, as you know, if you've listened to the episode before, we kind of go down the list with the journalistic questions. Who, what, when, where, why, how, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Um, so who is that widow uh, who can shoot and wants to, seems like, ride the Mandalorian's blurg? <laughs> It's like the desperate housewife of Shrimp Village. I'm yes. not really sure, but I don't think it matters. Shrimp Village, desperate housewives. Oh, desperate God. housewives of Shrimp Village. Uh, no, I think she's like a one-off character. I don't think we're going to hear from her again. Her name is Omera. Um, I mean, they did bother to develop her a little bit. I mean, you think you don't think the man is going to come back? I don't think she's going to be important. No, I think he's going to meet lots of ladies on a white steed. You know, ladies a, love cool a, man though. A cup of spatchka in his hand, and he said, "I've seen the light. Here, take." my no, helmet I, I just I don't think it matters who she is I think that that moment's passed this village has a little culture and farming developed uh but what is this drink spatchka and are the Polish offended for having their culture appropriated I believe it's pronounced spatchka spatchka not spatchka spatchka what is it what is I think it's alcoholic it looks like it right because only the adults forest yep because that, that lady at the cafe is like, and some spotska for you, adult. Wink. Because you, you clearly need to get drunk because you're carting around this mischievous green frog with you. Yeah, there's nothing else to do. And the uh, the Clatoinians or Clatoonians or whatever they're <laughs> Stop called. Stop saying that. <laughs> it, it sounds like a genital, doesn't it? Yes, it does. Um, they're in the forest, you know, heaving back a couple of, uh, you know, glasses of spotchka as well. A little liquid courage for their shrimp raids. Yes, absolutely. Uh, did you like that? I thought it was a cool addition to Star Wars. Sure. Um, sure. We may have to change the intro from kicking back with a death stick or two to a glass of spotchka. <laughs> spotchka. We'll see if it lasts. So in that vein of nutrition and uh, sustenance, what else does Baby Yoda eat other than uh, frogs and bone broth? I don't know. He seems like a cute little garbage disposal, and I think he's probably being socialized and civilized and will probably stop eating frogs and start eating more like, you know people-ish food like civilized food that's not yes. just like wild creatures yes. running around um 
so maybe the Mandalorian on his next visit, he needs going to have to visit like a supermarket and go shopping for like baby, <laughs> baby food, like Gerber's for Yoda. Teach the little guy how to use some plastic silverware. Right. Right. So I, I think uh, the, the, the fact that they keep bringing this up, that he's going to be fed, we are going to see a Yoda doll, like a Barbie with that you can feed and that he poops. And I stuff. cannot wait for the merchandise. It's going to be amazing. So when, um, when did the ATST, do you think, get to this planet? Like, how did that all play out? The backstory of this, the planet here, Sorgan. I, again, I, I'm not sure that that's going to matter. I think you're going to find that a lot on these worlds where things just get left behind and they fall into the wrong hands. So does this mean that before, like, Return of the Jedi, the Emperor, the Empire had a presence here? And then after the, the, um, the events of Return of the Jedi, the Death Star would have exploded and the Cladoinians were sort of like opportunistically taking over the technology that was left, the I, mech. Yeah, I think that's exactly what happened. You know, like all those missing missing warheads when the Soviet <laughs> Union fell. <laughs> I like that. I thought that the scene with the ATST was very menacing and actually quite scary for a show that's designed for kids. This show is not designed for kids. Did you get sort of a German spotlight vibe when the ATST came through the woods and turned on its flashlight? Ah, uh, I thought it was more of a War of the Worlds vibe. Ah, okay. I could see that. It was, it was good, though. I really liked it. The ATST has always been one of my favorite vehicles because Why? It's, well, I like the look of it. You know, it's kind of like a tank, but then it has sort of a chicken sort of approach, too. Like, the way it moves <laughs> is kind of weird and goofy. A really menacing, goofy chicken tank. Yes. But then we've never seen those red lights on it like that at night. We've never really seen it working in its full capacity, especially with the searchlight feature. So that was a cool thing. I like when they make the old things new. Right. So where, like, uh, what, you know, where is the Mando going to go from here? I mean, he's, he's already tried to find a home for baby Yoda. Is he going to find like a space nursery babysitting service? <laughs> I think he's just going to continue to planet hop. Um, maybe he's going to planet hop for at least a few more episodes. I think he needs to find like an Airbnb for, uh, for galactic force using <laughs> infants. <laughs> So here's my most important question from oh, chapter no. four here. Uh, and, and I really enjoyed the fact that this episode had a lot of female characters because you may be aware that some, uh, some people on Twitter have been criticizing The Mandalorian so far for not having female characters. Yes. Uh, and I thought that was odd because the show hadn't finished yet. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we didn't we don't really have a good perspective on how many characters there's going to be. Um, granted, the first few episodes didn't have a lot of female characters, but this one does. You know, there's Omera, there's Cara Dune, um, there's Omera's daughter, uh, Winta, which... <laughs> it's a terrible name for a kid. The question that I had, though, was why didn't the Mando try to get a three-way going with Cara Dune and Omera? Because I think they would both have been willing. I think because it's totally out of character, and I don't believe they both would have been willing. If that had happened, would you know? Would these Twitter critics, would they have sort of um, acquiesced a bit to the Mando in terms of it being feministly appropriate? <laughs> and do you think it could have passed the Bechtel test I then? do not believe that's how the Bechtel test works. <laughs> yeah, I guess it wouldn't because they would still have been involved talking about a man. And they wouldn't so. have talked to each other about anything. <laughs> so is that, a, is that a missed opportunity that there wasn't a scene <laughs> with Cara Dune no, I, uh, and Omera? hope this show does not, you know, take too much of a romantic bend, at least until the first season is over. Mm. So who, do, who would you have uh, preferred the Mando to wind up with if you had a choice? Cara Dune, the uh, UFC uh, stero steroid... Um, Storm Shock Trooper or Omera? 
<laughs> Is that even a question? Of course, the UFC. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Come on, seriously. Um, no, I like that they, they cast her because I think in Hollywood and TV, they have this habit of casting really, really small women that they pretend are tough. You know, like these 100-pound fighters, and it's a little more realistic that she's, like, fighting size. So I, I appreciate that they did that. I can't think of any female leads in Star Wars movies that, that, uh, that fit that profile of tiny, petite powerful women who, who could you possibly be <laughs> referring like to and she is like completely self-sufficient she does everything for herself so our last question uh, before we get to speculations for chapter five how how did Kara Dune know that that bounty hunter was going to be there and she was there at just the right time to put a laser bolt in his brain before he blew up the internet by shooting baby Yoda <laughs> she's talented clearly she's talented or she wouldn't be out there like that but, I mean, it was just a little convenient. Wouldn't you say that Cara Dune is a bit of a Mary Sue, that she can do no wrong? I mean, that was very convenient that she was out there. I don't know. Seems like she might have, like, an attitude issue and a slightly dark past that might, you know, make her a multifaceted character. I mean, she's just, like, out there hunting for mushrooms or something or, like, just, just kind of whittling away her time looking for a good stick to like carve a <laughs> carve a UFC octagon into or something and <laughs> then she just happens upon the bounty hunter it just seemed a little contrived for my taste they, all of these planets have some like rough figures on them every single place they stop they're gonna run into somebody who's a little bit tough this is the second time though that an episode has ended with a bounty hunter getting shot in the head right before they shoot baby Yoda it's a complicated profession uh, yeah but I mean can we have it just a little bit different? Like maybe next time Baby Yoda is about to shoot a bounty hunter and somebody shoots him in the head. I think that's right out of character. Minute. But um, speaking of character, um, one of the things I thought was a huge plot hole. Let's talk about plot holes in this, this show. Sure. Massive plot hole. Um, they're looking at the Baby Yoda and he's playing in the village and they're like, he really likes it here. And it's like, how can you tell? He's had the same expression on his face since the first episode. How can you tell what he likes or doesn't like? Four chapters of a goofy grin and like little cooing noises. Yeah, and... it seems like he likes everything. And he will eat all your frogs. Like, can you imagine what would happen if they did let him stay there in the Vietnamese pond village? He'd eat all the frogs and then like, <laughs> you did. know, the another creature would like go wild that was like a you know pray for the frogs and then that creature would like devastate their pond uh their and their and their shrimp uh guilds so basically i mean it's kind of good that he ended up having to leave he so. disrupt the ecosystem people are suffering people are dying entire ecosystems are collapsing we are in the beginning of a mass extinction and all you can talk about is the fairy tales of eternal economic growth. There's an environmental subtext message here about invasive species that I really appreciate. So what about you, Duper? Any, any missed opportunities, plot holes? What was really interesting to me was the whole angle with Omera, and I thought there was a missed opportunity. Um, this is a little bit like, uh, uh, this is a little bit like the Mando bunch, you know? Um, it's a story of a lonely widow who was harvesting some blue shrimp from a pond. The one day when the lady met this fellow, and they knew that it was much more than a hunt, that this group must somehow form a family. 
That's the way we all became the Mando. Bunch. You can just see Winta and Baby Yoda growing up together in like this new kind of hybrid modern family. And I think that would have been really beautiful. It could have been a spinoff series, you know? They could have called it the Mando Bunch. <laughs> So they would just stop the Mandalorian and like create another series, a spinoff of the Mandalorian called the Mando Bunch. Yeah, why not? I mean, how many hours did you spend thinking about this? No, it, it, I spent zero hours thinking about <laughs> exactly. this. Exactly. Yeah, I, I only watched this episode twice, by the way, which oh. is very unusual for me. Usually, I've watched it at least seven or eight times by now. But I had to look up the name of the Clatoonian. So stop uh, saying that. Yeah, I can. You know, every time I'm going on the internet here to look up these details, I can feel my neck beard growing. Actually, like. Like, I mean, I think it's good that I'm the one doing it. I mean, that way your skin still stays nice and svelte and supple. I have uh, not grown a neck beard yet. Thank goodness. All right. So what uh, what would you give this show on the best scar rating? Um, you know, we've I think we've we've done a, all over the gamut of the range of one to ten on the previous episodes. I would say a five. Yeah. Because I'm just less interested in the domestic side of things. I'm kind of torn because in some ways this episode did nothing for me, but then in other ways you did see some important details of the Mandalorian. Like we do see that he does take off his helmet. We speculated that he had like a big smoothie straw to eat. They answered that question for us. I think John Favreau may be listening to the Mando Roundup. Sounds like a good use of his time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, some details, but overall, I mean, the, the heart of the episode to me was that ATST attack. Nothing else really that interesting happened. So I would have to give this episode a six. I think you're being a little generous. Really? Well, let's do our 20-second speculation then on next episode. So last time I went first. Why don't you go first this time, Gemma? You have 20 seconds to tell us what you think is going to happen in the next chapter, chapter five of The Mandalorian. I believe that the people or the non-people that the Mandalorian um, shot at in episode three, I think some of that's going to come back and um, bite him, like cause him some trouble lately. And I feel like maybe Baby Yoda and the Mandalorian might get back to some civilization as opposed to going into remote off-world. Okay, that's 20 seconds. So you think those bounty hunters from chapter three are going to come back, come home to roost as a tour? <laughs> So, interesting theory, interesting theory. Um, all right, well, here's my 20-second uh, prediction of what I think is going to happen in Chapter 5 of The Mandalorian. I think you're going to see bounty hunters actually also, but I think they're going to be hot on the trail of him, just a, but a little bit behind. They're going to go to the planet, the shrimp planet, and they're actually going to interrogate Omera and Winta, and they're going to nah, maybe not kill them, but somehow disrupt them, and the Mandalorian is going to somehow get wind of this, and so he's going to come back to save the day. That's creative. Yeah, so I don't think we're done with that planet. They spent a lot of time digging those holes, filling them with water, breeding those blue shrimp, like, specially for this episode. I mean, the genetic research involved alone, I think they're going to get more bang out of their buck for that. <laughs> One can hope. So, all right. Well, stay tuned because we have uh, chapter, uh, episode four of The Mandalorian will be coming out next weekend. Um, and yeah, we go not many to go really. We're halfway. This is a eight episode show. So, I mean, I had predicted that by the end of the halfway point, he, we would have seen his helmet taken off. We have, 
but we haven't seen his face. So We're not going to see his face, I don't think. You think You think not? I mean, that was an interesting detail where he said that, like, once he takes his helmet off, then he can't go back to the Mandalorian tribe, basically. It's like the end of, it's kind of being excommunicated, as it were. Did you like that part? I don't know. So, Gemma, what was your favorite part of this episode? <laughs> the blue shrimp. The blue Clearly. shrimp. Clearly. <laughs> so delicious. They looked really cool, huh? <laughs> I need some dinner. Shrimp is the fruit of the sea. You can barbecue it, boil it, brawl it, bake it, saute it. There's um, shrimp kebabs, shrimp creole, shrimp gumbo, pan fried, deep fried, stir fried. There's pineapple shrimp, lemon shrimp. Do you think they used the blue shrimp to make the spotchka? No. No. Do you need a glass of spotchka right now? <laughs> After this episode. <laughs> you probably do, right? Yes. <laughs> all my questions, all my interrogations. <laughs> this is what happens when you give a man the controls, you know? Like, <laughs> he doesn't want to let him go. I don't think this podcast is going to pass the Bechdel test. Sorry. <laughs> it definitely does not. Yeah. Anyway. 